We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds of many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Hello, and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I am Megan Miskiman, and I am here today with Brooklyn Lashishan and Natalie Smattis. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Janaid Jahangir. Dr. Jahangir is an associate professor of economics at McEwen University in Edmonton. He is interested in economic pluralism and renewed perspectives in teaching economics. He has also published in Islamic studies and has developed new courses including economics of religion, future studies, and humanistic economics. So, Janaid, for our listeners who may not have heard your last podcast, could you tell us a little bit about the principles of economics through Disney? Sure. See... Megan, when I was here the last time, we specifically focused on uh, the principle in economics that your living standards are based on your productivity. And I took that principle and I connected that with the song of the seven dwarves. And then we basically said that, does that principle really hold in this case? So since then, I've written another paper and I broadened the scope. And instead of just zooming in on one principle, I, I look at all the 10 principles of economics. Now, very briefly, these 10 principles of economics are uh, usually taught as the gospel truth. This is what the economics profession has crystallized. This is what all the economists have come to a broad-based consensus on. So uh, these principles are hammered in in those students, especially those instructors who use the mainstream approach of Gregory Mankiw, who is a very popular author. Uh, he teaches at Harvard University, and his books are uh, you know, published worldwide, distributed worldwide. And so my objective in this new paper that, that I'm sharing with you today, Economic Pluralism Through Disney Animations, is to essentially introduce students those 10 principles in a critical manner. Because in this day and age, we uh, we don't want students just to imbibe the information. Mm -hmm. We want them to critically think about what is it that they're learning and why does it have to be that way? And so I introduce the idea of economic pluralism. I basically question those principles. I said, you know, this is one way of looking at things but that here, there are other ways of looking at the same economic phenomena. So that is one objective of mine through that paper, economic pluralism. The other objective in that paper is, is to make economics interesting for the students. They need to care about it rather than simply do all the math and do all the graphs and equations. And so the way that you get to students is through their childhood memories, I've seen this before. So the student becomes more receptive to learning about those things. Right. And then the third thing, and a, and, and a major uh, reason I wrote that paper, is to establish the point that economics is actually for everyone. As an Econ 101, any student who takes Econ 101, and many students do actually, um, maybe business students, psych students, sociology students, students from sciences, the physical sciences, when they come to take Econ 101, they look at in front of them, all they see is graphs. All they see is our equations. And once they graduate, sometimes I wonder what is it that they take home with them? What is it that they have learned? Mm -hmm. Are they able to contribute to the political debates that we have? 
especially around elections? Are they are we making them into uh, responsible citizens, responsible voters? Are they able to participate democratically, to exercise their citizen rights? So all of that is, and when I when I looked at all of these questions, I found that we're doing a really poor job in educating our students. So, uh, so the way that I was actually teaching, I had to reorient the way that I was teaching. And then, um, and, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and then that led to my publications. So to consolidate all of this, the, the three things I want to hammer with my students is, number one, economics is for everyone. I borrow this phrase from Jim Stanford, a fine economist from Canada's East. And of course, uh, associated with number one is the idea that we should not really uh, look up to economists as the experts every citizen, every person, um, whether they have a PhD or not, they are equally capable of participating on economic issues. So the experts, in quotation marks, cannot hide behind a wall of equations and mathematical formulas and graphs. So we need to make knowledge accessible for everyone as opposed to restricting it. So that's number one. Number two, the idea behind uh, all of this is to uh, show that there are alternate ways of looking at economic phenomena. And number three, to reach out to a broader audience, uh, elicit student interest through Disney animations. Yeah, making it more relatable to them. Something that they grew up Absolutely. with, that they can, they can relate it back to. Absolutely. I love that. I'd be curious, too, to see how we could use that with um, public and how we could educate our public to learn things about the economy rather than just students. Would you have a way that you could help like a larger audience than just the students? I'm working on that. Like I have developed, as you noted in my introduction, I've developed these courses and I'm pushing with the School of Continuing Education. If I could present these courses to the general public, mm-hmm. retired citizens and whatnot, and um, I'm, wa- I'm, I'm waiting for the response. Mm. I'm just waiting to be asked. Wow. Uh, so but you e- got pretty far there. Yes, like I, I've emailed them on, on occasions, and so I'm waiting. And um, as soon as I hear something from them, I'm on the go, 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 uh, because I actually received messages from a retired person. From uh, She belongs to a church community, and she was interested in my economics of religion class. And I said, I'll be more than happy to provide the, uh, you know, a short course. Because, because with, with, with these people, you don't want to do the quizzes and the... Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're there for the ideas yeah. and to engage with them, right? And so I'm quite excited about doing that. So yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm just waiting to be asked. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so maybe tell us a little bit more about the additions that you made from from the last time. So last time you came in here and you related the the one principle to the uh, the whistle why you work song. Your uh, you said it way better than me, but your your worth is measured by your productivity. I think is what you said. Yes, you see, back then I and mean, the last time when I was here, we zoomed in on principle number eight mm-hmm. that your living standards are based on your productivity. Right. Uh, the, the more you contribute, uh, the more you are going to earn. Mm-hmm. And there's something fundamentally wrong with this. Absolutely, <laughs> it makes no sense. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You have these, you know, during COVID, I would go to Safeway. And I would see all these ladies in the 50s and the 60s, where, you know, 
slaving. I mean, I'm using the word slaving away, but they were there. Oh, yeah. They were there as frontline workers facing all these people who didn't want to wear masks. And a part of me felt bad. And, but then I was scared too. I would just pick my groceries and just run away. But those ladies were there, you know, from 8 a.m. until whenever the shift ended. And they were working there, standing on their two feet. So what is it that they have to show for themselves? Putting in so much effort. And, and the work is essential, mm-hmm. absolutely essential. Because if you can't get your groceries, then, you know, life as we know, comes to a shutdown. Well, we learned that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then on the other hand, you have these high-profile administrators, you have these high-profile CEOs of companies, and they live in penthouses, and they tank down their companies during the 2008 subprime mortgage crisis, the financial crisis. They brought their companies down. And even though they basically were the source of harm to the economy, there was no accountability Mm-hmm. They left their jobs with millions in their pockets, in golden parachute, uh, or what do you call them, handshake, even when they bring the company down, even when they make bad decisions. There's not much accountability there. No, none. None. Well, none whatsoever. And they get these bailouts from governments. Mm-hmm. So you take risks, you make millions. You do well, you'd make millions. And you do poorly, you still make millions. Yeah, so it's all good, guys. Let's just keep making millions. Exactly. So <laughs> that, that basically was why I was critical of principle number eight. Mm-hmm. And then I connected that with the song of the seven dwarfs. Mm-hmm. They're digging the mines for <laughs> gems and, and what do they have to show for themselves? Dingy little cottage. Yeah, they all share a room. They all share a room, <laughs> exactly. But now, what I've done is I moved away from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So now I bring in Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Cinderella and Pinocchio and Christopher Robin and Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, you name it. And now all 10 principles are there in that paper. And I critically evaluate each one of the principles. And then I have a Disney song or scene from a movie to go with it. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Even while I was looking at uh, the one paper, you just have a way with being able to relate these things back to, like you said, economics is for everybody. And I think that really goes to show in in the way you even write your papers and the way that you present your work is that you make it very inclusive and easy for everybody to understand. It's like that's yeah. your goal is mm-hmm. is to make sure that you take these complex, um, or not even complex, but principles that, like you said, they were understood as one way. Yes. And you you kind of deconstructed them and showed not only your students, but those around you, like, is anybody else looking at this? Does anybody else see this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> exactly. And I need to reach out to more because different students learn differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just here to teach the mathematically gifted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here to teach everyone. And I mean, there's some girls who grew up with Disney princesses, right? And so now they can look at the same Disney princesses and say, you know, there was more to the story. I mean, you can derive more from the story (laughs) than the old school, uh, you know, true love kiss and the spell breaks and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's always the same sort of repercussions at the end, I find. It's the, the prince gets the, <laughs> gets the girl, and except for Frozen. I guess that one's a little bit of an anomaly. The new ones are starting to change. Yeah, the, the new ones are starting to change the quote. <laughs> and actually, if you look at Disney, mm-hmm. you've got to question, because again, you know, you have to go beyond all these movies. 
what was Disney projecting in all these movies? Exactly. And exactly. the idea, like Cinderella or Snow White, that if you dream hard enough, if you work hard enough, then you can meet your American dream. You can have your mm-hmm. happily ever after. But that's not life for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is as pretty as Cinderella. Okay? Not everyone is as rich as Prince Charming. Some of us are simply average. Some of us are simply, you know, no matter how hard we work, we're not going to be millionaires. Mm-hmm. So we need to look at real life and look at those stories a bit more carefully. Can we talk a little bit about the Christopher Robin? Absolutely. One, can you just explain kind of what that principle was? Absolutely. So now here's the thing. The Christopher Robin one, which is the 10th principle, and the 10th principle is that in, and this is the way that they basically phrase it, that in the short run, there is an inverse relationship between inflation and unemployment. Now, the words are technical, and so this is how they present it to you. And it's, it's, it's not very easy to grasp it when they present it to you in a technical way. But what is it exactly they are saying? You need to go behind this. So this comes from a framework in which the idea is that if you try to reduce unemployment in your economy, and how do you do that? How do you reduce unemployment in your economy? Through government programs, right? through public work programs, through creating job guarantees, through spending money in the economy, right? Then if you do that, the argument is that you're going to exacerbate, make worse inflation. Prices are going to start going up. And that's a no, no, no. We don't want that. So they created a trade-off between uh, fixing your unemployment and it's coming at the cost of inflation. Right. Right. Now, but we need to wear our detective glasses and, and, you know, figure out who is this principle serving? Is it serving the common person? Because what is the main concern of the common person? Affordable living, right? And then, of course, uh, livelihood. Mm -hmm. Because if you take a look at an unemployed person, they face depression and stress, uh, loss of self-esteem, suicide ideation. That's a huge problem Mm -hmm. in this day and age. So the idea there is that if you follow the money, people who have portfolios in stocks and bonds, right, their rate of return gets eroded when inflation goes up. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, they need to look at the real rate of return. So this heavy emphasis on inflation, on keeping it down, because remember, how does inflation come down? You have to raise the interest rate to bring the inflation down. So when you have a high interest rate, who does that support? It serves the interests of the rich class and it harms the middle class. So high interest rates also harm businesses. You want to start a business and you want to, of course, borrow money to start a business. The interest rate is going to be very high over there. Mm -hmm. So how can you contribute to the economy? So anyway, so coming back on this principle, the the principle is that there is this inverse relationship between the two. And I just mentioned what's behind this. And then I basically say, oh, you know what? This First of all, we need to look at our priorities. What's more important for us? Taking care of the people or taking care of the the class which makes its living based on stock portfolios and stuff like that. So then I, you bring in the story of Christopher Robin. 
And there is a scene in that where he goes to the boardroom and he says that we've been looking at things the wrong way. So he said, because the company makes luggage and he says that our luggage is overpriced. And I kid you not, I, I'm traveling, you know, in a few weeks and I know how expensive it is. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, 190 bucks and 200 bucks. It's madness. So anyways, he says that the luggage is overpriced and who are we serving? We are serving the rich class. He says, instead of serving the rich class, why don't we basically, the solution is to give people a holiday. He says, what do you mean give people a holiday? They say because people are already overworked, stressed out. They deserve a holiday. So he says to do something, we need to do nothing. What he means by that is when people go on a holiday, then they're going to buy luggage. They would need luggage. So they would come and buy luggage from this company. So he basically tells the company people, he says, bring the prices of your luggage down. Make the product for the average citizen and not the elite class. Mm -hmm. So when people go on holiday, they will buy the luggage. When they buy the luggage, they'll go on a holiday. And, and so that spending that they will do will basically contribute to the economy. So the idea over there is that we are breaking this trade-off between inflation and unemployment because this principle prevents economists from uh, undertaking policies that are going to take unemployment as seriously as inflation. You can't just focus on one and ignore the other. Right, yeah. You have to have a balance over there. So when students look at this principle couched in this way, then they understand what was behind that principle in the beginning, how it was presented to them, and whose interest it serves. And then they also understand that a better way to have your economy is based on serving the interests of the average citizen. Yeah, well, and like you said, it's it's important for you to be able to shine a light on this because otherwise we just see this jargon and we think, well, they know what they're doing. They, they can just keep doing what they're doing. But really, we need to involve ourselves a little bit more, I think is what you're saying. And in order to do that, we need to be able to understand it better, which is what you've been able to, to do for so many people, which is great. Did you have anything you wanted to add before we wrap up today's episode, though? No, I think I think I think we've reached that saturation point where we've made up points, and that is for for the students to basically understand that economics is not rocket science, mm -hmm. and that we need to go beyond the technical jargon and and start contributing as active citizens in the economy. Those were my main goals through all this Disney stuff. Yeah, making it less intimidating of a, of a concept for people to educate themselves on. Exactly. And if that, that's what they get, and, and that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on today's episode, yes, Janet. You. It was wonderful to have you again. Oh, thank you very much. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of Research Recasted. If you want to support this podcast, you can visit Research Recasted on your favorite podcast platform to find new episodes every two weeks. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Research Recasted, where you can leave us a like, give us a follow, or send us a message if you have any follow-up questions from today's episode. This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications at McEwen University. Funding for the podcast is partially provided by the Government of Canada through the Research Support Fund. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Megan Miskiman, Brooklyn Lishishin, and Natalie Smattis. 
music is by Dylan Cave, with sound design and editing by Natalie Smattis. Research, copy editing, and scripting is by Brooklyn Lachitian and Natalie Smattis. Our executive producer is Ray Barie.